0: Welcome to Humans in Public Health. I'm Megan Hall. All this week, Brown University School of Public Health is examining the theme, Public Health is Where You Are. Today, we're talking about using medications to treat opioid addiction, specifically in Rhode Island's prisons. Brown School of Public Health's Rosemary Martin has been evaluating a program that connects incarcerated Rhode Islanders with drugs like methadone, as well as counseling and education. It's the first statewide project of its kind in the U.S., and it's working. But before we get this story started, Rosemary wants to make one thing
1: clear. This is not Brown University's program. I just have the privilege to evaluate it. But I'm not the one doing the work. They're the ones doing the work.
0: The work Rosemarie is talking about is transforming the way Rhode Island's prison system responds to people with opioid addiction. And so this was the brainchild of the medical director and the task force. Back in 2015, Rhode Island was in the thick of the opioid crisis. So then-Governor Gina Raimondo created a task force. Its goal was to reduce overdose deaths by a third in the next three years. And who is most likely to die of an overdose? people leaving the prison system.
1: The risk of overdose after release is exponentially greater than for you or I, or even someone who's using opioids in the community. And the reason is they've lost some tolerance. Let's say someone who uses
0: opioids ends up in prison. Even in a few months, their body can change. It can't
1: handle the dose they used to take. The first two weeks after release, the research shows is the highest risk for overdose death. That means rethinking treatments
0: for substance use among folks involved in the justice system could go a long way towards addressing the opioid crisis. At the time, Rosemary wasn't an expert on opioids, but she was working in the prisons on a research project related to tobacco use.
1: The then-medical director at the Rhode Island Department of Corrections, Jennifer Clark, asked for money to treat opioid use disorder within the population. And because I had been working with Jennifer Clark doing the smoking research. She said, let's do this. And I went along for the ride. That
0: first year, the Rhode Island Department of Corrections received $2 million to roll out a comprehensive approach to opioid use disorders. They called it the Medication Assisted Treatment, or MAT, program.
2: So basically, the MAT program is compiled of three different types of facets. So it's an education component, a counseling component, and a medication component.
0: That's Rachel Bray, a deputy warden with the Rhode Island Department of Corrections. When the MAT program started, she was working in the women's prison. Back then, if someone with an opioid addiction entered the prison, they didn't get
2: standard treatment. If you came in and you were not pregnant and you were on methadone, you were immediately detoxed. Folks suffered when they weren't treated.
1: Kicking in jail sucks.
0: That's Kenny Polion. He started using drugs for non-medical purposes when he was 11. As he got older, he paid for them by shoplifting and stealing cars. So he's detoxed in prison before.
1: It feels horrible. You get all clammy, sweaty, can't eat, can't use the bathroom.
0: But when Kenny went to prison the last time, he got to participate in the MAT program. It doesn't force people to detox. Instead, it screens everyone for opioid use disorders and then offers medication like methadone as well as counseling and education for anyone who needs it. A lot of people just think that this is just getting your medicine. What was the counseling and education part like? Did you learn anything?
1: Oh, yeah, that you can overdose on methadone, and they teach you a lot, actually.
0: Did you learn anything about yourself?
1: Yeah, that I need to uh, take a look at myself and change what I was doing.
0: For Kenny, the approach worked. His girlfriend, Renee Pelletier, noticed
2: a difference even before he got out of prison. So it was two years when I had went in to see him, and I seen a full, recovered person. He looked excellent. I couldn't have expected anything better.
0: Rosemarie Martin from Brown says when people like Kenny have an opioid use disorder, they need medication to help them get better. We
1: don't think twice about chemotherapy for treating cancer. Um, we don't think twice about hypertensive medication for treating high blood pressure. And medication-assisted treatment for substance use really is the same way. With opioid use, we know that it really impacts the brain and the brain needs to heal. It's a chronic condition and it needs attention the way any other condition needs attention.
0: But early on, Rachel Bray from the Department of Corrections wasn't convinced.
2: I was that naysayer and I felt as though it was um, just gonna keep the inmates at a high. I truly thought that there was no altering the thought process. You're substituting a drug for another drug.
0: But as the program went on, Rachel started noticing a difference in the prison. People were more alert and productive. There weren't as many confrontations with prison staff. And something else had changed. Before the MAT program, there were a lot
2: of people smuggling drugs into the prison. We were seeing them come in with heroin. We were seeing them come in with um, the opiates, but they had them concealed, you know, inside their body cavity. And then when we were starting to, to figure out why they were bringing the drugs into the facility, their exact words were, we don't want to go through the withdrawals.
0: The MAT program meant people in prison didn't have to go through those withdrawals. Word spread quickly in the community, and eventually drug smuggling went down.
2: Not to say it doesn't happen, to be fair. Um, it's just not happening as much now.
0: As Rachel was noticing a change in the dynamics at the prison, Rosemary Martin from Brown was
1: crunching the numbers. And they look good. What the program has done is it has reduced overdose deaths within this population significantly. First preliminary study, it compared six months before the program to six months after the program, and there was a, like a 60% reduction in overdose deaths in this population. It's gotten to the point where people
0: in the justice system are less likely to die of an overdose than Rhode Islanders who
1: haven't been incarcerated. I've looked at three years. I think within the state, overdose deaths went up by 23%, and within this population, it declined by 39%. So you're looking at basically a 40% decline in one population where the overall population increased. Why do you think it was so effective? Because, one, it reached people who were in need, disproportionately in need, and, two, it provided the standard of care and evidence-based treatment that we know works. The state of Rhode Island was the first in the nation to offer this type of a comprehensive program, and the phone calls that came in were amazing. The medical director just kept got a lot of phone calls about how can we do this, how can we
0: do this, since then, the team that put together the MAT program has worked to share what
1: it's learned with other prisons. So we have um, videos of getting buy-in, how do you do that? We've got the director of Rhode Island talking about the program. We've got the wardens. We've got security officers talking about how to run medlines. And so it's to provide the tools also so that other places can do the same thing. Rosemarie still
0: analyzes the data for the MAT program and works closely with the Department of Corrections. She says it's some of the most satisfying work she's ever done. I think
1: my passion comes from decades of doing research that has taken decades to disseminate. That's just science, right? You you, you do your science, you publish your articles, and it takes a very long time to trickle down to the workforce. The passion for this came with the immediacy of the result. There are people today that are more comfortable, that are not sick because of this program, and not dead, they are alive, but it's real time. So there's a whole lot of satisfaction in that.
0: Even Rachel Bray, the deputy warden, has completely changed her mind about the MAT program.
2: Oh, I'm very proud. I'm so proud that I've gone across the country to various agencies and departments to bestow upon them What I learned and I was able to evolve to where I'm at now because of the education that I received and then seeing the effects that it's having. You know, you're not going to believe it until you see it. Well, there's truth to that. As for Kenny
0: Polion, he got out of prison around the beginning of COVID. The MAT program connected him with a methadone source in the community so he could continue his treatment. Now he works in construction and lives with his girlfriend Renee. Renee. He helps take care of her daughter.
1: I walk the dogs. Um, I go to work and make something to eat and call it a day. Real simple.
0: Renee says she's super proud of him.
2: He's an excellent dad. He came home and he was just like a perfect person that I could expect from my child. And It's getting me emotional, but he was the person that I could have always imagined to take care of my child.
0: Renee says they're saving up to buy a house and get married. Kenny says first he wants to buy a motorcycle, but either way, they're ready for the next stage in their lives. You've been listening to Humans in Public Health, a special series for National Public Health Week. Humans in Public Health is brought to you by Brown University School of Public Health. This episode was produced by Tino Delamer said. I'm Megan Hall. Talk to you tomorrow.